friends, and welcome to my Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Kathy Jo Hart. I am a Christian author and speaker. Our focus is to discuss the hot topics of the day and how it relates to the Bible and the lessons through the love of Christ. Last podcast, we spoke about narcissism and how our culture is focused on who is a narcissist. We are eager to psychoanalyze others, even though we know nothing about that person. Narcissism is a learned behavioral style where the focus is about the self. It's about the self-absorbed ego. This behavioral style has been around since the beginning of time. And as Dr. Romani, who is an expert in narcissistic behavior, said that if narcissism were a book title, it would be how to be a man in today's world and be successful. Dr. Romani also said that less than 4% of the population has a narcissistic behavioral disorder. That leaves the rest of the population with nothing more than a learned behavioral style. Can narcissistic behavior be unlearned? Yes, but with most people, Behaviors can be changed only if the person is willing to change, narcissistic or not. Most with narcissistic behaviors may not because of their lack of self-awareness, but there is only one who can change their mindset, and that is you. You can find a psychologist that can help you maneuver through your own behaviors when communicating with a narcissist, or You can learn how to change your behaviors by studying the Bible that teaches you how to live your life when living in a fallen world. I received a great question from a listener regarding narcissism, and here's the question. Should one confront a narcissist? When I conducted the research, I was a little surprised with the findings. Should you confront a narcissist? The simple answer is no, don't do it. Confronting a narcissist will make the problem worse. They will inevitably lash out in rage or worse, punish you for exposing them. They will turn family members against you. They will use relationships to punish you. It will be brutal. Narcissists lack empathy and they will abandon you or bully you. Some will withdraw love from the relationship as a form of punishment. Look at it this way. If a narcissist didn't listen to you before, they definitely will not listen to you when confronted. Resist every temptation to confront someone you believe is a narcissist. So how do you deal with a narcissist? One, you stop giving away your power to them. And what do I mean by that? Since you know a narcissist will not provide you with emotional support, stop going to them for support. Don't expose your emotions, your problems, or your needs to them. They will use it against you. You don't want to give them any fuel to talk about you or undermine you behind your back. Own your feelings, and instead of saying, you make me feel, say, I am feeling Be careful whenever you use you-make-me-feel phraseology because you run the real risk of presenting yourself with a victim mentality. And this places you in a position of weakness, and you don't want that. You can say things like, I am feeling frustrated by this conversation. Take the focus off of them 
and own your own power. Say things like, I don't like the way I feel when others talk about me behind my back, or I feel uncomfortable when words are used to devalue my opinions. Whatever you do, don't use the phrase, you make me feel. Narcissists will never admit to being wrong. That's guaranteed. They will turn the situation around and demand you accept accountability for how you made them feel. They will gaslight you. They will turn truth around to make it seem like a lie to fit their narrative. Real truth will get lost. They will use their influence in the family or friends or coworkers to hurt you. So in conclusion, how do you confront a narcissist? You don't. Well, that leads us to today's episode. We will get back to the basics of family relationships. The biggest commitment in life is marriage. And if you aren't equally yoked with your spouse, you are going to have a very difficult time making marriage work. Worse yet, marriages involving a husband and wife with different morals and values will produce chaos, strife, estrangements, and ultimately divorce. When you add children to the mix, you will have guaranteed dysfunction. Let's take a look at a 2022 survey about divorces. 50% of all marriages in the U.S. will end in divorce or separation. The U.S. has the sixth highest divorce rate in the world. And reasons for divorce, number one, lack of commitment. Number two, arguing too much. Number three, infidelity. Number four, married too young. Number five, unrealistic expectations. Number six, lack of equality in the relationship. And finally, number seven, lack of preparation for marriage. It is obvious from this list, couples are getting married without really knowing each other and understanding their marital roles. Questions like, what does commitment mean to you? What is the best way to communicate when angry? What are your expectations on love, sex, money, morals, maturity, and that includes humility, emotional IQ, self-awareness, self-control, and this is important too, are you both teachable? You discuss mutual respect and expectations on parenting and raising children, household chores, career goals, passions, and most importantly, what are your core foundational values? These questions should answer if you are evenly yoked, if you think you're going in the right direction, are they the same? And if they're not, you may not want to move forward with the marriage. No matter how much you love the person, it's going to be so difficult to make the marriage work. Now we know what the secular reasons are for divorce, so let's turn to the biblical solutions before saying, I do. The Bible is very clear how God defines a godly marriage. A godly marriage requires the husband and wife are to be equally yoked. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. But what does that mean? It simply means going in the same direction. Will you both be going in the same direction in what your future holds as a couple, 
as parents and as financial partners, it is important to determine if expectations will become shared values and shared visions for the future. There are a lot of misperceptions of a biblical marriage. God places the bulk of the leadership responsibilities on the husband, but it is not what most people think. To reference this in the Bible, read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 23. You see, God places the headship role of the family on the husband, but it does not mean the husband is above his wife, nor does it mean the husband can command their wives at their arbitrary will. It is quite the contrary. When a man and woman come together in marriage, the two will become one in the eyes of the Lord. Both must submit to each other, but the one who has the greatest requirement of submission is the husband. It is his responsibility to love his wife above himself, just as Christ loved the church. He is to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He is to love his wife as he loves his own body. It is his responsibility to care for her and to become the source of life and growth. He is to lift her up and to die to anything that places himself above her. Now, wives are to love and respect their husbands. God expects husbands and wives to both submit themselves to each other. It is the husband's responsibility to keep her spiritual well-being a part of his own well-being. This is mutual submission. But the role of headship places the role of authority to the husband. Now, let's look at it in this way. In the military, the troops are subject to the commander's authority. If there were two commanders of equal rank, how would the troops know who had the ultimate authority? Can you imagine what would happen to the family unit if a mother and father held equal authority but had different rules and values, you would have dysfunction. Therefore, it is important to be equally yoked from the very beginning of the marriage. But what does it mean when wives are supposed to submit to their husbands for everything? Well, this is not the same thing as male domination. This is about the husband's role as the head of the family. He's the team captain, or he is the commander. It is important for the wife to respect her husband's role and not to disrespect him in front of others, especially your children. Therefore, God commands wives are to respect their husbands. Marriages are going to have challenges, of course. You can have challenged and even heated conversations, but the key is to do this privately and not to sin in anger. Always remember to love and respect each other above everything else. Therefore, a solid foundation as Christ is essential as well as the importance of being equally yoked. But what if you cannot agree to a solution. 
Well, both must look at their motives to ensure there isn't sin involved, like ego. Number one, respectfully discussing both sides clearly. Number two, pray about the decisions. Ask God for divine wisdom. And number three, avoid knee-jerk reactions and or decisions. Never, ever act out in anger. This is a sin and just don't do it. When Christ is the head of the church, this means that Christ is the ultimate head of the family. Both husband and wife must submit to each other, and both are to submit to Christ. Even Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. Remember, marriage is supposed to be a powerful union, not a power struggle. And as we know, the devil will use divisive practices to keep us away from God. These statistics prove he is targeting the nuclear family. Specifically, he is targeting husbands and fathers. It is important for husbands to be a role model for his family at all times. But look at this disturbing trend about the role of the father and family leadership in this next survey. 72 0.2% of the U.S. population, absentee fathers is the most significant family or social problem facing America. 85% of all incarcerated have no father figure. 62% say the best kind of marriage is one where the husband and wife both work and both take care of the household and children. But here is another disturbing trend in divorces. 17 million children are living with their single mothers. 90% of divorced mothers have custody of their children. 65% of divorced mothers received no child support. Now couple this with estrangements. When couples divorce, there becomes two sets of morals and values. When an ex-husband and ex-wife have differing morals and values, this dysfunction will impact the children in very negative ways. When children are unsure of expectations from one parent to the next, children will become angry, anxious, depressed, confused, and this will embitter your children to either or both parents. This is the real tragedy of divorce. It is the estrangements families will be forced to deal with. Rarely do estrangements have a happy ending. Due to unforeseen traumas caused by family dysfunction, adult children are ending their relationships with one or both of their parents. And this is the real problem with estrangements. There is division in our society today as Christians are struggling between man's laws legalizing sin and the standard of Christ. The further we go away from Christ, the closer we are to permanent divisions within our families. We must rise above cultural peer pressure of secular beliefs in false utopias. We need to stand firm on the foundation of God's word. Our duty is to pray for divine wisdom and discernment to fight against the devil's deceit and deceptions. Our children and our grandchildren are depending upon us. 
If the devil can separate us from God, he can separate us from our family. Maybe this is the reason why divorce rates and family estrangements are at an all-time high. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Estrangements bring with it anger, resentments, bitterness, and an unforgiving heart. There is a lot of unforgiveness within families. Couple this with a culture that has created divisions based upon political beliefs and differences. Politicians, celebrities, and media activists are encouraging people to declare war on those who have opposing political viewpoints, even if the opposition are family members. But we have forgotten how to manage conflict. We use excuses to justify estrangements. The anger and intolerance is toxic to the point of adult children are being encouraged by culture and ill-trained psychologists to cut off contact with their elder parents. One can look at any past situation as toxic or abusive when only one side is represented. Most are looking to blame their problems on their parents. What is not discussed is the full picture of the relationship. It is very complex in nature, but nearly impossible to resolve when the only proposed solution is to end family relationships. This is the evil of estrangements. Our society has not seen this in our current history, so even the best psychiatrists don't understand the long-term implications estrangements will have on our society. How will it impact generations to come? They don't know. Intolerance used to divide generational parents will end up having the same intolerant justifications for the next generation. The damage estrangements have on elder parents, this is called elder abuse. Our culture is justifying elder abuse in the name of what? Social justice against perceived narcissistic traumas? This is why we need to go to the Bible to see the significance of a godly marriage. If you are not equally yoked and you don't share foundational values built on the rock of God, you are risking your marriage and the health and well-being of your children and their children for generations to come. Is this what you really want? Is this really what society wants? I would propose it is not. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I would love to hear your comments about our show today. Our next podcast, we will continue the estrangement series as we focus on emotions and mindsets and the impact these have on our relationships. Remember, estrangements should never be a one-way street. Anyone who encourages family estrangements should be rejected outright. Family relationships are very important to our overall health and well-being. We need to fight against the devil's deceit and ask God to help heal broken hearts. Remember, no one wins when families are divided. I pray that God will provide you with his love and grace and his healing powers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.